Amen. Take your Bibles, if you would. That's a, that's a good prayer letter. Take your Bibles, go to 1 Corinthians 15. I like I like my Bible, and it just it just it, when you read the thing, it just that's what you ought to do. You ought to just read it. You know, reading your Bible keeps you out of trouble. I'm going to talk about some of that stuff tonight. 58, 1558, First Corinthians 50, 1558 says this: it says therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know uh, that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Father, thank you again for letting us come to church tonight. I just thank you for the songs we got to sing, Lord. Thank you for the mission letter we got to uh, read. And thank you for Mrs. Jones, Lord, still being faithful out there on the field that, uh, after her husband passed away so many years ago. Uh, she's still there, Lord, uh, being busy about what she's, uh, you told her to do. Uh, Lord, I know a lot of people would uh, have said that maybe she should come back off the field, Lord, but that's where her heart was. That's where her family is. And, Lord, that's where she's been. And, Lord, thank you for blessing the work down there. Bless us tonight as we're here. And, and uh, Lord, help us just to draw a little closer. As she said, the rapture's getting ready to happen. It's going to happen any day now. And, Lord, it won't really matter what's going on on this planet, Lord. What matters is our relationship with you. And I just pray that you'd help us get that a little bit cleaner and, and pure before you come back. And, Father, again, we'll praise you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all may be seated. 2 Thessalonians 2.9 kind of goes along with that. I like that verse in, in 1558. It says, therefore, my beloved brethren. He, Paul's talking to his beloved brethren. Uh, when Paul died, Paul was alone by himself pretty much except for Luke. Only Luke is with me in, in a jail cell in Rome somewhere. And then they take him out there, chopping block, and cut his head off. Uh, pretty much what you're going to find out in, in most cases is as you serve God that you're going to be uh, less and less around people. They're going to reject you more and more because of the Word of God. So it's not just that you're a Christian, they don't like you. It's the more you get into this book, as a matter of fact, Paul was so into the book, he wrote 14 books that you read. Uh, and because he wrote 14 books, I would pre be pretty much pretty sure that uh, Peter, James, John, and uh, everybody else used his books uh, to understand Christianity. So when they wrote theirs, they, they wrote that in light of something else they had heard and God put the Holy Spirit, put that thing in place for them to write. And he says, for as much as you know not that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I'd like to tell you that your labor is never in vain. Just because you don't think you're doing something, you are. Just, just remember, serving Jesus Christ isn't on a mission field somewhere. Serving Jesus Christ isn't, isn't uh, preaching. Serving Jesus Christ is waking up in the morning and doing the things you're supposed to be doing. And then let him use your life like he wants to use your life to reach out and touch other people. That's what it is. I, I kept the title of this, I, I, I'm doing a message on it. It's not even a message, more of a study on obedience. You know, if we were just obedient to him individually, and obedience is an individual thing. Uh, it is not, it's not a thing that you got to get in a crowd and, and I'm sitting there going, you should do this and you should do this and you should do this. I really hate doing that. Uh, if somebody forces me to it, I'll do it, uh, but I really don't like to do it. Uh, I know what the Bible tells me to do. I probably ought to put this on or else they're going to yell at me. And if I don't turn it on, they'll yell at me. And if they don't yell at me when I get home, Beth will yell at me. Uh, that's a wonder if somebody hadn't already said something. But obedience is something that is, is required for you to figure out anything. Uh, you'll never get to do anything for Jesus Christ until you learn how to be obedient. 
Uh, it is uh, rebellion. Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, and and they should take a. And they said, and, and you shouldn't suffer a witch to live. So if you're a rebel, if you're rebellious, then what what the happens is uh, they should take you outside and stone you somewhere and do something to you. Uh, but but we can't do that today. So y'all are pretty lucky. I'm pretty lucky, man, because there's times in my life where I'm rebellious. Second Thessalonians two nine says this: Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. He's talking about the man of sin, the, the Antichrist coming in, the devil coming in, Satan's coming in, in there. And he goes, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. He's talking to the lost here. Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Uh, you know what's wrong with people? It isn't that they just are, are messed up. No, they, they just refuse to take the truth. They refuse it. It isn't that they, oh, no, no, I got my opinion. Yeah, you got your opinion, but it's different than the Bible. Your opinion or my opinion is wrong if it doesn't match the book. And if it, does, if it matches the book, then I'm supposed to change my opinion. Uh, I've, I've seen some things in the last five or six months that just kind of blew me completely. It didn't blow me out of the water. It just, it just kind of troubled me. I come around a church. I come around a corner the other day. I was at Home Depot, and I was driving down. One of the biggest churches here in Dayton, or a large, very large church here in Dayton, had a, had a good Friday service. And they got this big old banner out, a Baptist church now, Baptist church. So that kind of upsets me. It probably doesn't upset some of you, but that's okay. Uh, that's because you, you haven't really stopped to think about it. But I better turn this down because if it goes off, Jerry's going to have a heyday with me. <laughs> he's, just, he's looking for anybody's phone to go off so that he can blame somebody else for, for everything going bad for him. We were at a meeting the other day, and his phone goes off again. I just was praying that it would have been in the middle of church. But anyways, where was I at? Oh, yeah, I come around that church corner. And I mean, you know, they, they think a little bit about different than what I think. But come around, here's this right on the corner. It's a big, uh, uh, good Friday service. And I'm like, you, you, you got to be kidding me. Uh, you got to be kidding me. I mean, that church holds 1,000 people minimum. And I said, you mean one person in there can't count? There's not one Baptist in there that can count one, two, three. I have a problem with that. You know what that is? They will not accept the truth. What they want to do is they want to get people in the church. Getting people in the church is not the way to build a church. Or as a matter of fact, we're not even trying to build a church. We're trying to build people. And the only way you can build people is the truth. And he goes on here, and Paul's sitting there talking, he says, and with all deceivableness. You know what the devil wants to do? He's deceive us. I'm not saying you have to like what you hear. <laughs> I'm just telling you you got to change when you hear it, if it's true, if it's true. He, if you don't accept the truth, watch what happens. In them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth. You know, truth is love. Boy, it's a, it's a strange thing. Sometimes truth hurts. But it's because someone loves you that they told you the truth. Now, I don't always like truth. I just, I, sometimes I don't like it, but sometimes Beth comes up and tells me the truth. I, and, and in her case, I don't have to listen to her because she's my wife, but she'll tell me stuff all the time. And I don't, I just say, well, I got to go do something or I'll go somewhere else and do it. But it isn't that I, I ignore her. I, it's in the back of my mind. Other people say things and it, it's always in the back of my mind. And the Lord has to come time, sometimes show you things in a path to show you what you need to do. And you just do it. And he goes that they might be saved. They refuse to take the truth. When my mom called, I, I I wish, I, I'm telling you, I need to put a phone up here on the, on the platform so I can call her and have a conversation. I, I'll first tell you what she's going to say before I call, and then you can listen to that. 
but that's the typical Catholic is that way. She's sitting there talking about Mary Magdalene and Jesus Christ, and a, a, a priest out there somewhere said that uh, she had a baby by Jesus Christ. That's what the Catholic Church is teaching. Now, you say, oh, no, I'm talking, oh, well, hey, if a priest is teaching that and he works for the Catholic Church and the Catholic Church is backing that thing up, and there may not be, the Pope may not be coming out and saying that, that's blasphemy. That's an abomination. If Jesus Christ did that, you and I would not have a Savior. You and I are still lost. We have no hope of getting to heaven because there's nobody who bridged that gap between heaven and us. There's no way to do that. Beth hung up on her right there, man. I was like, yeah, that's a good wife. I said, you know what she did? She, then she goes, I made your mom mad. I don't care. I make her mad all the time, too. I mean, she just she needs something to keep her blood flowing. She's 90 years old, man. She, she's like this. And she, but I just can't believe that somebody, after 90 years, cannot get uh, the Word of God. I mean, it's right there in the Bible, and they don't want to hear it. There's thousands of people. Over, it's like a church. You're a Baptist church. You, what, you don't understand what Friday is? Friday, there's no possible way that, that Jesus could have died on Friday. It's impossible. It takes three days. You know what it is? You don't understand the difference between a high Sabbath and a normal Sabbath. The normal Sabbath is every Saturday. That's a Jewish Sabbath. That happens. But there's feasts down through the year that come in the middle of the week. It's a different Sabbath. Jesus, they had to put him in the ground before that high Sabbath on Thursday, which was Passover, and they killed Jesus Christ. And before 6 o'clock, it had to be on Wednesday night. Now, I know, I know y'all probably sick of hearing that, but... I mean, Sunday morning. He had to come up out of the ground sometime after Saturday night. Six o'clock. Saturday night, six o'clock. Friday night, six o'clock is one day. That's one. One day. Not three. One. Not three. One. I wanted to stop and ask the pastor if he, what one plus one plus one is. I really did. I know exactly what he would tell me. He would, he would treat me like a buffoon because, you know, I've got a big church. No, you're a moron. One day is Friday evening at 6. Well, then if you go back to Thursday evening at 6, that's only two days. He still isn't in the ground for three days, and he said three days and three nights. And if you go back to Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, guess what? One, two, three. Now, you know what that gets? They're deceived. They choose to be deceived. And you know what they're doing when they have a service like that? Uh, sunrise, Easter Sunday morning sunrise. Why would I want to go look at the sun come up? That's bell worship. First of all, when you say Easter Sunday morning sun, Easter has nothing to do. It's Resurrection Sunday. Amen. Easter doesn't come for another week. Man, we, we, we could have two holidays in here, man. We could get stuff for two holidays. We could get a turkey and ham on Resurrection Sunday, and then we could get backslidden and have one on Easter too, and then get all the candy along with it. Uh, oh, yeah, brother, that's what I was going to tell you. Because I know you would do it for me. Uh, he said in here, he says, not candles, candies. Yeah, he said, he goes right in here, he says, the bags included personal items, drink items, tracks, and warm socks, also candies. Now, when you're on a diet and you see stuff like that, <laughs> I mean, it, that, that word just came right out of the page like it was this big. Candies. <laughs> You can't eat candles, but boy, I can eat. I was drooling right about there, but anyways, I'm okay now. <laughs> but it says, uh, it goes on, it goes, that they might be damned. You know all the new Bibles take that word damned out of there and put condemned? That is not even nowhere close. I like the word damned, man. It's just a good word. That they all might be damned. They don't have to be damned. 
They, they might be damned who believe not the truth. The truth, if, if you refuse the truth, you're damning yourself. It's a great thing to know. I like it, man. I, I always like my Bible. If, if none of this applies to you, just throw it out. I like it. I like it to me. It's just good to me. I like it when the Lord tells me words like that. He's, you know, your Bible talks about adultery, fornication. It talks about a lot of stuff. Homosexuality, all that stuff. It talks about all that. And he says, take a, a drunkard. You go out and get drunk, and you get your mommy and daddy. You know what he says? Take him out and stone him. Well, could you imagine? There'd be piles of stones everywhere now. Kids, man, that'd be a good business for rocks, man. You get lots of money in rocks. Verse 12, 2 Thessalonians 2, 12. It says, uh, that they might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. When you, when you refuse the truth, when you refuse the truth, you're going to go to the other side. You're going you're to start doing the unrighteous things. Your flesh is going to draw you that way. It's a hard, it's a hard battle. But we, here's our, here's our stuff right here, verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you. I thank God for Christians. I love Christians. I love being around people who want to serve Jesus Christ. I want to be around people who just want to live the Christian life. You don't necessarily have to do everything. You don't have to go out and street. I went down the road the other day, and here's two guys. Put me under conviction, man. They're probably from some liberal church. He had a megaphone. But he's got big signs, and he's preaching. And he's got big signs. I mean, big old, nothing turn or burn or nothing like that, but that verse is on there, probably for God so loved the world that he gave us. And you're going to go, you can't go to the kingdom of God unless you get And he just keeps on going, man, preaching. Him and another guy standing on the corner down there at Home Depot on Wilmington. I thought that, you know, Lord, I said, I used to do that. I said, I don't know why I'm not doing that again. You know what Christians do? They convict you. Now, I'm hoping these guys were Christian, but if not, I thought they were uh, because of what they were saying. But they were convicting me. I said, man, I used to go out there on the streets all the time, and COVID kind of put a stop to that. I need to get back to that. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you. It's easy for me to give thanks for somebody standing on the corner doing that. It's easy for me to give thanks for somebody getting up in the morning and just doing what they're supposed to do all day long. That's easy to do. Why? Because you know what they're doing? They're doing what the Lord told them to do. Uh, and that's all you got to do. But we give thanks always to God for you, brethren. Beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification. It isn't that he chose you and you were going to get saved whether he was. No, when you got saved, when you trusted Jesus Christ, when he gave you the ability, you know how you got saved is truth. Somebody presented something in front of you. The Holy Spirit magnified that thing in front of you. And the truth came through and you got it and you eventually got to the place where you trusted Jesus Christ. It doesn't stop there. It just keeps on going, and pretty soon you get more and more truth, and you take the truth. I listen to preachers, man. I say, man, how in the world did they get? I was reading through Psalms today, and, and I, I read through a passage, uh, Psalms 87. I'm like, I got it, man. I was going to write a sermon on it, and I'd have been so wrong, I couldn't believe it. So I, I went to two different sources that I trust, and I looked up and come to find out that's about the Antichrist. I was thinking it's about the Lord, and I was all like, praise God. You know what it was? I was completely wrong. And I said, wait, if I'm wrong, I said, wait a minute, let me read that. So I went again. You know, I went to Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I got his big books. I mean, I got all kinds of books. And I opened it, and Spurgeon says this, and he said something. I'm like, because in, in, Psalms, in Psalms 87, it, it says, and that man, and that man, and that man, and that man. A couple times it says that man in there. And uh, he says, oh, well, they, they in error, in error put the word that man in there. I said, okay, I'm done with you. I'm done. I'm done. If you're going to correct the word of God, I'm done with you. Because you're not going to listen to the truth. You know what the word of that man, it, it brings. You know, every time I read Psalm 87, it bothered me. 
And today I finally got some books out and started looking it up. I said, maybe the Lord wants me to write a sermon on it. And after I studied it for a few minutes, I go, no, he didn't want me to write a sermon on it. He just wanted me to understand what I was reading. And I'm sitting there going, Lord, this is the greatest book in the whole wide world. I said, the way it's worded in there, if you don't watch out what you get, you could take something and be completely off, off base with that thing. And, it's, and, and he says, but you believe the truth. Where, verse 14, and I'll be done here in just about an hour, uh, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Now, you need to know what you believe and stand fast in it. You don't have to know everything, but the basic things God has showed you, stand fast in those things. And hold your traditions which uh, ye have been taught, whether by word or by epistle. When you hit, got a Bible sitting in front of you, uh, you're going to have to learn how to... I could have stopped at that church. You know, number one, it's their church. They can do whatever they want to do. I, I can't, I'm not going to stop them. I'm not going to go up to their church and, and start preaching at them, guys. Uh, but I'm telling you what, they're, they're messing up a lot of other people. Uh, we are so selfish in our Christian walk sometimes because we don't care what we do to anybody else as long as I get what I want. And brethren, that's not, a Christian, that's not a Christian attitude at all. It has nothing to do with Christianity. That's ch pure childishness. That's selfishness. That's rebellion against Jesus Christ. Because if I get my Bible, most of the things I do wrong is pr pretty much listed in this book all over the place. Number one, take your Bible. Let's do a Bible study here real quick. I got about five things I just want to look at on how not to be rebellious or how to, how to just live a Christian life. How to be obedient. That's all you got to do is obedient. And I'm talking to you guys on Wednesday night, which really most of the stuff probably doesn't apply, but some of you, may, it may apply. You never can. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. You know how you find stuff out? You listen to the Lord. I don't listen to people most of the time. I listen to people. If they can give me a verse, I'll, I'll listen to it. Uh, you know, I mean, it's one of those things where... Uh, I had several people, I'll, I'll talk about me for a second, I had several people tell me I was fat, or I, I need to be on a diet, or, and then most of them was Beth. Uh, and I, I said, no, 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 no. Well, my legs started giving me a problem. First, my, first couple years ago, this leg quit working, this one right here on this side. Then I started having a heel problem, and then my knee was, I mean, just giving me a fit, not the knee itself, but, but I, was, I didn't know what it was, but the doctor said, I went over to talk to Brother Mike, Michaels, uh, he's uh, the, my doctor over at the VA, and he goes, the, the thing going across my knee, uh, the ligament which attaches to the bone that goes down to my, my foot, the ankle bone connected to the leg bone. Anyways, right there, I was, he said, you're shredding that. And he called it. I got the card out in my truck. And it was just, it was just terrible. I mean, it was, if you heard the name of what he called it, it would scare you to death just the name. And I'm, I'm like, my leg's going to fall off in a few minutes. And he goes, no, no, it'll heal it. You just got to take care of it. And I said, no, it's because I got too much weight. You know what the Lord had to do? He had to dump this and this and this and this and this and this. And when I get to a place where I can't kneel down, then all of a sudden I say, I got to go see the doctor. What's wrong with my, this big lump on my leg? And he tells me you got this real terrible disease. Or it's not a disease, it's just a, a situation that will, will solve itself. I said, no, it's time. It's time, Lord, to lose weight. It's time to get the stuff off. You know, sometimes the truth hurts and you don't like to hear it, but you got to stop in your life and say, look, you know what's important for me at this moment in life or any other moment is doing what's right in front of me today. Not necessarily what I would like to do out there in the future somewhere, but how am I going to please the Lord today? Can I please him? I don't want to be here one minute past where I have to be. That's selfish on my part. I, I need to be here as long as the Lord wants me here. 
I just hope it's not very much longer. But if he wants me here, Hebrews 10, 24. So when I read my Bible, I, this, this is stuff that I read that just spoke to me. And nobody had to tell me this. Uh, verse 23, let us hold fast. You see the, the wording there? Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Don't waver. For he is faithful that promise. And let us consider one another to provoke uh, one another unto love and to do good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as, as the manner of some is, but of exhorting one another. And so much uh, the more as you see the day approaching. You always hear about us talking about the, the raptures getting ready to happen. The rapture. This place ought to be packed out with Christians. As the time gets closer, there should be something. If we're listening to the truth, if we're obedient to the word of God, it has nothing to do. It didn't say anywhere. If the preacher, I hate these churches, man, that they got their little bulletin. Sunday morning service is going to be. I have no idea what Sunday morning is going to be yet. Some people do. I ain't going to take it away from them. But, I mean, for me to go print in here that the Sunday morning service is going to be this, and it'll be 35 minutes and 42 seconds, is just not going to happen. But, you know, it doesn't matter. You know what you come for? The verse. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as, as the manner of some is. There's some out there, I don't need that, man. I don't need this, and I don't need this. I'm, I don't need Sunday school. I don't need Sunday night. I don't need Wednesday night services. I don't need, no, I, I'm just, I got to, no, you don't. I'm telling you, you don't. I've been doing this for 43 years, actually, 40, 40, 39. You need as much as you get. And uh, you know what I realized? After I seen that sign on that church over here talking about having a, a good, see, it's, a tear, it's probably irritating. Y'all probably like Easter bunnies, too. There is no, I like the, in, I think it's 2019 where they got rained out at the White House. What's our country? I heard, I heard Biden the other day, uh, they wouldn't let him talk to the Easter bunny. Putin said he had, he has dementia. <laughs> I mean, Putin can't, I don't know what Putin's got. <laughs> Putin, between the two of them, neither one of them should be there. But apparently the Easter bunny came and got him off the platform. Uh, what is our country coming to, man, that, that the Easter bunny is, oh man, it's crazy. Just crazy stuff. The assembling of ourselves together. As the closer this thing gets, you know what you need? You need fellowship. You need to get around brothers and sisters in Christ because this world will drive you crazy. I mean, brethren, the sisters and brothers out there in the world are going nuts. And, and if you don't have a church to go to and you can get in that thing, I've sat in churches where the, I thought the, the preacher said stuff I never even got nothing from, but I got fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. It got me through the week. Guess what? I went back there and I kept going back there. If you think God is ever going to do anything with you, if you don't get obedient, he's not going to use you at all. These are basic little things, little things. The devil will be glad to use you in a heartbeat. He will be tickled pink to use you to destroy somebody else's life. That's what he'll do. But if you want to get where the Lord wants to be, you know what you got to do? You got to get up on Sunday morning. Man, Beth had got five kids. I, I felt so sorry for her. I used to work 18, 20 hours a day. I said, huh, <laughs> I got an excuse. <laughs> Poor Beth, man, she's trying to get kids at church. At, from We lived out in Jamestown. We moved to Dayton, Ohio. The reason I moved to Dayton, Ohio, is this is where the church was. 
it wasn't just for me. My wife was trying to put the kids, little kids, Andrew, Elizabeth, and Sarah, in a car out in Jamestown, Ohio, and get them to church and then get them inside the church. And there was a lady over there that, uh, that was very stringent in the nursery. And Beth, they wouldn't let you leave your kids alone in the nursery. So Beth had, only had two arms, so she could only carry two kids up. And she'd take two of them and say, could you watch? No. Well, I got one out of the car. Don't care. You should get a papoose, I guess, one of those things you carry. The third one right there. And she, she went back and put the kids in the car and went home. I said, well, at least you made an effort. I was on her side, man. I thought it was funny as anything. But you know what you, you know what she knew? She knew she needed to be in church. And I said, I can't keep her that far away from church. I'm going to move closer to church. That was when I just went to a church. And then when I left that church, I went to another church. I didn't, I didn't stay far away from a church. I'm not telling you you have to sell your house tonight and move. Don't, don't do that because if you do and you get a bad deal, you're going to blame me and later on down the road. But, but the assembling together, brother, I'm telling you what, it's a, that's a basic thing. It's called obedience. You know when you don't do that, you're a rebel? The Lord's given us a couple things to do, and, and one of them is baptism, and one of them is, is the uh, communion that we had Sunday night. But the other is fellowship. And it's, it's you. he tells you right here, Paul says, and I think Paul wrote the book Hebrews, don't forsake that thing, man. You never know what God has for you if you do that. Things come up and you have to. Well, that's a blessing, brother. Come on in. There's a perfect example. Sometimes you got to work. And that will hinder you from getting to where you need to be, you wicked devil. No. <laughs> but sometimes that stuff happens. And I've done that before, man. I've come to church greasy from top to bottom, but at least I got to church. I drove, I drove from Atlanta to Birmingham, Alabama to go to church on a Wednesday night just to go to church. And I got there, thought I was late. I forgot about the time change. And this old lady, two old ladies were walking in, and I got to walk in with her. I thought, I'll hide behind these two old ladies, man, because they all look like saints. And everybody says, oh, they just probably got losing their minds, and they can't remember what time church is. So they're, and they're just, they just come in. I thought if I hid behind them as I go in, they wouldn't see me come to find out it was an hour early. And I, I gained an hour coming across, so I was right on time. But it was, you know, and, and the preacher was going to, it was just going to be a prayer service. It wasn't going to be preaching. It was going to be Charlie Andrews. It wasn't going to be preaching. He, he looked at me and said, brother, where are you from? I said, I come all the way from Atlanta to go to church tonight. He goes, you know, we only have prayer service tonight. I said, I don't care. I said, I'd rather be in church and I'd rather drive four or five hours to come to church than not to be in church. He got up there and looked at me like that a couple of times. and said, you know, I think I'm going to preach tonight. I don't know if he thought he had some new blood in the church and he could preach at or something, but... <laughs> I didn't care. I liked it, man. Go to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. Don't, assembling ourselves together. Don't do it. it. Obedience. Obedience is in small stuff, brethren. Small stuff. Little teeny many things. Nothing big. And you, he gave us stuff to do that we can do. You don't have to worry about doing it. 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 4.11. 1 Timothy 4.11. Little teeny weeny things, man. You get all those down. He told me to read my Bible twice. I argued with him. So I started doing it. Uh, I have found that that thing works great, man. The more I read that thing, little stories are in my head all over the place. And then you read something, and all of a sudden you get it. And, and then somebody else says something, and then you can start putting the stuff together and say, oh, yeah, they're right, they're right, they're right. I think I, I changed my mind on something tonight, but uh, I'll, I'll have to look at that a little bit later. 1 Timothy 4, 11 says this. These things command and teach. So I'm supposed to command them and teach them. I'm supposed to teach you some things. Let no man despise thy youth. I don't have to worry about that part because I'm an old guy. 
Uh, but if you're a young guy, and, and I had a guy call me tonight, and he wanted to, he called me the other day, and he, and he wanted to, me to give him a meeting, because he, he, he said the Lord called him to be an evangelist. And I said, okay. But he sends me the text, and in my text, he says, Mr. Elliot. I'm thinking, Mr. Elliot, when you get time, could you please call me? So I called him. I thought he was a missionary or something like that, but uh, you're going to call me Mr. Elliot. First of all, you probably won't get a meeting. Uh, and it's not because you offended me, but if you can't call a pastor of a church and say, Brother Elliot or Pastor Elliot or Pastor so-and-so or Brother so-and-so, uh, then what in the world would you want to go to that church and get a meeting for? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what ticked me off more than anything else is somebody say, Brother Pete. That's Dr. Peter S. Ruckman. That's Dr. Ruckman. That is Brother Ruckman, if he allows you to say, most of the time you just say, just call me Brother Ruckman, if he gives you the okay to do that. But the guy's got earned doctorates. Earned doctors. They call doctors doctors. Why would you not say that? That's disrespectful. That's because you just don't want to respect the man that, that is sitting there. You're looking at the platter instead of the, what's on it, man. That's it. They, they didn't like what was on the platter. Rebellious, just rebellious. They couldn't argue with him. They, These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth. Be thou an example of the believers. You know what we're supposed to be? We're supposed to be an example to them that look at us. You're supposed to, look, you're supposed to be that example so when they look at you, they want to get to Jesus Christ. They want to see what you have that they don't. What's wrong with a lot of us is we're, we're not that way. We let the flesh get in the way. But anyways, I better go on. It says, uh, let no despise our youth, uh, be an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, cleanliness. Till I come, give attendance to reading. How many times have you heard somebody say, read the Bible? God will never do nothing to you if you can't read your Bible. How are you going to know what to do anyways if you don't read the instruction book? I mean, you can't do it. There are some basic things in our lives. Give attention to reading. You ought to make a time to read your Bible. You say, well, well, that's not the Holy Spirit teaching. No, 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 no. You ought to make attention. You make time to eat, don't you? I did. I didn't have any problem eating. I had a problem not eating. But when I wanted something, I never had a problem doing that. And I made time for it. When I wanted my wife, I made time to leave Norfolk, Virginia, drive 12 hours to go meet her. And I made another time to come and get her. I made time to do all this stuff. Why don't I make time for God? It's called rebellion. Is all that is. Rebellion is the sin of witchcraft, and you shouldn't suffer a witch to live. We watch all that stuff on TV, man. Everybody should be getting stoned at the end of those movies. He said, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. How are you going to exhort somebody or give them exhortation or, or know what the doctrine is if you don't read your Bible? Uh, are you going to do what you, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel. I had an old chaplain one time, Navy chaplain. He goes, Petty Officer Elliot, Petty Officer Elliot. He's a black guy. He goes, how you feel today? How you feel? I said, I don't know. He goes, with your fingers, with your fingers. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> you had to know him. He's the guy who told me to start the church on the ship. He was a pretty good guy, man. You know what he wanted? That was obedience. It wasn't that he is an officer. The guy was, uh, I, don't, I think he was Baptist, but he was in disguise as a Protestant. And he didn't want nobody, but he knew he couldn't do on that ship what needed to be done. So what he did is he found the first guy that was acting like a maniac on that ship, and he called him. You know why he called me down there? Because, number one, my testimony on that ship was squeaky clean. Squeaky clean. I mean squeaky clean. 
They had no issue with me on my job. They had no issue. You should never have an issue on your job. On your job. If you can't do your job and obey your boss, you ought to quit the job so you don't leave a bad testimony. Go find another one somewhere. Go start your own business. Have people work for you that don't listen to you. See how you like it. But he says exhortation to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in the... Every one of us has something in us, man. Some people have the gift of gab. Some are socialites. I'm, I'm like a... I don't know what I am, man. I'll figure that thing out. I'll get to heaven and say, Lord, what was I? Uh, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on the hands. But he says, give attendance to reading. you got to make some time to do that. If you don't, brother, it's not obedient. You're not obedient. You're rebelling against God. You're rebelling against the spirit inside of you. 2 Timothy 2.14. I can run through these. I'm going to run through them quick. I mean, you know all the verses. Don't have to spend a lot of time on them. You know exactly what they are. This is just a little exhortation tonight. Obedience. Obedience to the faith. It's really obedience to Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Great passage here. It says, of these things, put them in remembrance. Charging them. See, I'm supposed to put you in remembrance of these things. That's what Paul said. He's forcing me to do it. Uh, charging them before the Lord. That's where we're at. That they strive not about words to no profit. Well, when somebody sits there and they just... Somebody says something, it's out of the Bible, and they just want to twist it. It just ticks me off, man. It just, why would you want to do that? You got the Word of God. It's simple. It's simple. Now, you may not understand it. Guess what? If you don't understand it, doesn't mean the other person doesn't. It means you don't. You know what you got to do? You got to say, just like I was reading through there tonight, and I'm telling you, I'm looking at the passage, and I'm getting ready to write a message on this. I think this is great, man. This is great. Yeah, this is great. So I pick up two different people, and they both say the same thing. You're a moron. <laughs> Didn't say moron in there, but they could have said that. And then go, no, that's, and I'm like, how could I have not seen that? But it looked good up front. I didn't get mad and throw the book across the room. I didn't get mad at nothing. I just said, okay, Lord, they're right. They're right. They're right. I see it. You know what I did? I changed my thoughts. I said, I'm going to come back to this, but I'm going to come back to it a little later. The Bible says, study. Here you go. He goes in this thing. Verse 15, study to show thy self approved unto God, a workman that need not be shamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. When I finished my Bible reading, I got the commentaries out, and I looked up that verse, that chapter, that passage. And the first thing that the first, uh, the second commentator I looked at, looked at, I looked at uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon first. And I mean, all these other commentators out there were saying all this other stuff, and, and it just didn't kind of seem right. Something was not right about all of it. Again, just the whole thing was a mess. And then, and then when he said that the word he shouldn't be there or, or uh, that man was here or that man was there, when he said that man should not be there, I said, wait a minute, this, they're all wrong. That right there tells me, bing, flags go up. You just corrected the word of God. What you're saying about this whole thing is wrong. So then I pull up these other commentaries and I see why the wrongness is there. You know what that is? That's called study. You may not think it, that's called studying. You pick up the book, you see something, the Lord tries to show you something, and you may think you know what it is, but if you don't know, you know why I love going to Bible college? I'll tell you, I didn't learn nothing. I felt like I'm an idiot. Most of those guys, they just way out there for one. Now, if you want your radio fixed, I could blow them away. But when it comes to some of the other stuff, I mean, they were, they excelled, and I, 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 was, I was always envious of that. But what I did learn is, is you got a Bible sitting in your hand, and there's books out there that you can pick up and read that will aid you in understanding this book. And I've got most of them in my basement. And, and if I have a problem, what I appreciate, and I'm learning that right now more and more over the last five or six, ten years, is that the Lord allowed me to go meet a guy who never really tried to make me like him. 
he told me where he got all his information. And I mean, he told me, and then I, you know what the detriment of that is? I'll go to some of these places. I heard him preach. I heard Dr. Let's talk to Dr. Ruckman. I ain't going to say the old preacher. It's Dr. Peter S. Ruckman. It's a great man. But he, he, he preached a sermon one time, and, or I was reading his commentary, and he come across his verse, and he had this word in here. It's like this long. I'm like, nobody would ever use that word that long. He said, yeah, first of all, I need three dictionaries to even pronounce that word. And I, I'm like, I can't. So then I go into another book that's about 200 years older, and, and the commentator back then used the exact same word in the exact same place. I said, I know where he got that. So then I'm in school one day, and, and he gives me, he gives me this, uh, this uh, it's just like this, man. It's like three or four sheets of paper all put together, maybe five or six. And it's 700 sermon outlines. I'm thinking, they're Dr. Ruckman's outlines. I got Dr. Ruckman's stuff. Yes, I got his outlines. I had to write here in my hand, hot little hands. I loved them. And he never told me where they came from. He just gave them to me. And so I maybe thought I really need some help bad or something. I don't know. But it was was funny. I cherished those things. So one day I said, man, I need to get some more. 700 is just not enough. So I go out online and go, oh, look, here's another little book out here. It was like in 1910. And I said, it's 700 more. I said, maybe there's a coincidence here. Maybe everybody only wrote 700 at a time. I said, I don't know. So I paid for the money, got this little book in about this big, and it was that. <laughs> I'm like, get out of here, man. I said, you stole that man's sermons and gave them to me. <laughs> he said, well, I reinvent the will, man. You know what? I didn't care one thing about that. I got that. I was looking at that little book tonight. I'm telling you, brother, you know when it comes to, that man showed me where I could go to get the truth. I know where I can go to get the truth. It's right here. But sometimes this is more than I can stomach. I need some help to understand this thing. And what I got to do is get over my stupid pride and be obedient to what God. You know what, God, I'll tell you what. If you're here tonight and you know you're supposed to be here, God sent you here to learn something. You ought to be in this place every time that door opens. Every time. If not, you're disobedient to God or you don't belong here. It's that simple. I'm not trying to say that. I'm the man of God, and you're supposed to do. No, I'm just telling you, man, I've done this over 43 years, and this is what, this is what happens. <laughs> you can't wait, can you? <laughs> man, I've lost my voice. I, I thought I could see. <laughs> Study to show that self-approved. Don't be disobedient. Don't be disobedient. Uh, go to 1 Thessalonians 5. Got two more, and I'm done. Two more. 1 Thessalonians 5. Man, I tell you, this is great, man. I like, I like, just, it's called being obedient. Being obedient to Jesus Christ plays over in so many different facets of your life. I can't even explain how many times they, it'll, it'll play over. When you do, has somebody ever ticked you off at work where you just want, and you just shut your mouth? That's, that's all you can do. Sometimes you, you hold that thing back. Why? Because it's not conducive for you at, at work to get fired. Number one, but number two, it, it doesn't leave a very good taste in anybody's mouth if you're going to come back and tell them about Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians five sixteen. If any woman that behave uh, believeth have a widow, man. No, oh, I'm in. I, I thought I'm in Timothy still. Thank you. I was going to say I did that tonight at, at the house. It's the exact same thing. I read that and said, man, that doesn't even sound like nothing like I'm getting ready to read. And then I realized I was a, two pages over. Thank you all. See how that was? Did I get mad at y'all and rebuke you? No, I didn't. I even told you I did it already once tonight, already again. This is the second time. Third time's charm. 516. First Thessalonians. I'm over in Second Thessalonians now. <laughs> I like the Bible, man. It's just a good book. It's just, it's just 516. 
See the none render evil for evil. Now, I'm telling you, I have issues. I have issues. I got it, man. I know, but I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I've been doing this for 43 years. I'm struggling. Uh, there, there's some times where you just need to bite your tongue and hold back. There's no case in, in the world. I know the Bible says, uh, be angry and sin not, but also says, don't let the sun go down on your, your uh, anger. So you got you to gotta get a place where you control that thing. Uh, he says right here, he says, uh, see thou render, e- uh, render evil that, thou, that none, not a one of us, render evil for evil unto any man. Uh, that ladies, that don't give you all a chance to get out of this. Oh, well, I'm a lady. I can do it. No, that's you keep your gossiping mouth shut, man. Keep your shut. You know, men gossip just as much as women. You don't have to worry about, ladies, you don't have to worry about always getting the slander here, man. Guys, you know why the Lord always says man in here? Like right here, it says, see thou render uh, evil unto any man. Uh, because men are like 10 times worse than any woman ever was. We just like to blame you guys. Uh, he says, Jerry, you're not looking very happy back there. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, uh, uh, let me get back to my verse here, man. I, I've done lost my place. I just, it, it was crazy. Uh, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. You know what that is? That's just being obedient to Jesus Christ. That's all that is. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Keep going. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. People say, well, I wonder what the will of God is right there. It isn't going out and and being a great missionary. It isn't being a great preacher, although you may be one day. It isn't going to be Fanny Crosby where I'm all right. You know what Fanny Crosby had to do? She had to first learn music. Then she had to learn some other things, and then she started writing songs, and 9,000 songs later, she was pretty good. I want to be a Fanny Crosby. You know why we have the music today stinks? Because they're not like Fanny Crosby. They didn't learn anything. All they're doing is looking at what makes people. I, I hate it when I go to church and I'm like, oh, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Uh, is this spiritual? Praise. Somebody's doing it. Jerry! <laughs> <laughs> he was giving me background music is what he was. Thank you there, brother. Thank you. <laughs> but I mean, I've been in churches where they've got rid of our songbook. They have no idea what the meaning of those songs are anyway, so they get rid of them. That's why they got rid of them. They don't know what the purpose of that songbook. They don't understand where those, you know, we were singing that song, He Hides My Soul in the Cleft of the Rock. You know where that came from? That came from Isaiah. No, it wasn't Isaiah. It was uh, Moses. Moses, uh, he said, hide and he put him up in the cleft of the rock, put his hand over him. So he said, you can't see my front side. If you do, you'll die. I'll let you see my backside. It's going to mess you up quite a bit anyways, but I'm going to let you see my backside. That's, these songs come out, those songs come out of this book. Those praise him, praise him. All that is is flesh. They're working it up. Man, I did that at rock concerts. I, I could do that easily at a, a Dwayne Allman, uh, the Allman Brothers, any one of those guys. REO Speedway, any one of them, man. The whole crowd, they get their little cigarette lighters out. You got one, Jerry? And you see all the lights lit up. I don't know why you're burning your gas, man, fossil fuels. Nobody cared about that then. They just burn the cigarette lighters up till you burn your fingers up. But he says, uh, pray without ceasing. And he goes, quench not the spirit. You, the will of God is you being obedient, me being obedient to him, to him, nobody else, just to him. Quench the spirit. You know, if you're obedient to him and somebody else is obedient to him and somebody else is obedient to him, 
you'll all get together and you'll be in unison. When there's conflict, you know what's wrong? Somebody's not obedient to Jesus Christ. It's not always the other person, by the way. It could be me. Just let you know that. It could be me. It's not always the other one. It's, it's here, here in the last four or five days, six days, seven days, ten days, uh, I've run across four or five people that think they're not the problem when they are the problem. I'm telling you, brother, my brother is the biggest problem in this whole wide world to him, and he doesn't see it. Everybody else, anybody that gets in his circle is the problem, not him. He says, uh, quench not the spirit. That's, that is what happens. When you aren't obedient to him and you get out of the will of God, you start quenching the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Tell me what you're going to do more than come to church. Tell me. I, I have no idea. I can't even think of it. Unless, uh, I mean, there's, there, there's days when I'm like, I'll just stay home. I get the sniffles. I think I'll stay home. Beth was going to stay home Sunday. I was chiding her. But you know, it's always easy for me to chide her, and she had a reason to stay home. But when I stay home, I, I said, don't you tell me nothing about me staying home. Don't you tell me that. Don't you tell me that. He goes, quench not spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold all things, which is good. The verse I want to look at is abstain. I'm just going to say it. Abstain from all appearances of evil. Do you ever question what you do? Do you? I mean, do you stop and say, Lord, is this what you'd have me do? That's, it's called obedience or disobedience? Re rebellion. Rebellion. I'm not even going to go disobedience. It's rebellion. That son, the story in the Bible where it had two sons and the Lord, uh, the, the dad comes and said, hey, I want you two to go out in the field. One said, I don't want to go out in the field. I'm tired of going out in the field. I'm just wore out. I want to stay home. I want to watch the TV today, man. I just want to watch the Jetsons over and over and over. Or Bonanza. It's a good godly show, right? They all go to the bar room down in the town. Gunsmoke. Yeah, Gunsmoke. Uh, Matt Dillon. Kitty. Yeah, Kitty, man. You got him. Yeah, it's a great show. Great show. Kids, bring the kids up in that with the bars and everything. And then we wonder why our country is full of drunks. We raised them in front of the TV, me, me TV. <laughs> I know, because I, I, I know some people who watch me TV. Everything's on me TV right now, all that stuff. Hogan's Heroes, all that stuff, man. That's what messed me up. Look at me, man. Mikhail's Navy, that's why I got the problem I got. <laughs> I would have never went in the Navy if my mom didn't have TVs in the house. I wouldn't even know it existed. Finally, take your Bible. Staying from all appearances evil. You know when you go out and do something that's wrong, you're affecting other people? And one of these days, you say, well, I'm saved. Fine, great, you're saved. One of these days, you're going to stand in the judgment seat of Christ. And it's a, it's, a, it's a terrible thing to fall in the hands of Almighty God. You're going to stand there, and you're going to look at him. I'm going to look at him, and he's going to look at me. And he's going to bring back those things into my Because I'm going to have to give an account of what I did in his body. Not, at, not before I got saved. Right now, I'm going to have to get. The problem is disobedience. I don't love him enough to change my life to match his. Or even try that's where the problem lies. 2 Thessalonians 3, 7. And this is it. I'll be done right here. I'll turn it over to Joe. Obedience. This is, you know what? This is some of the simplest things we look at, just for sake of discussion, go down to verse 10. For even when we were with you, Paul's talking, this we command you, that if any work not, neither should he eat. 2 Thessalonians 3.7. Well, actually, it's 3.10. 2 Thessalonians 3.10. One of the basic things in life, and it's probably one of the things everybody hates, I think you ought to do something that you're, you like doing because you're liable to do it for a long, long time. Uh, I, I started out many, 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 many years ago. I worked at McDonald's. 
My daughter came up, Esther came up. You hear Esther somewhere? She's in a nursery probably. But she came, is she working? Okay. She, she goes to work at Chick-fil-A. I'm like, but I'm, that's a 65-year-old guy saying that. I'm looking at her like, you're an idiot. I'm thinking you should be out there being a doctor or lawyer or engineer or scientist or something great, astronaut. No, 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 I'm working at Chick-fil-A. Flipping chicken patties? I said, yeah, but she's having fun. You know what happened after a while? You look at that and say, this ain't, first of all, paying the bills. And number two, well, if, she, if you're looking for a guy, ladies, that's great. If you're looking for a guy, find somebody who is the engineer, doctor, or whatever, and he, he can foot all your bills and you'll be good. And you can stay home and, or you can do whatever you want to do. Uh, just get some sucker who's going to do all that for you. <laughs> but, 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 but if you're not, guess what you're going to do? Go ahead and get a job. It isn't, it isn't, you know, you ought to pray without ceasing. You ought to do all this other stuff. But you ought to do that. That right there is part of that. It's part of your life. Paul was a tent maker. Wrote 14 New Testament books in your Bible. He was a tent maker. You know what he did when he had spare time? He made tents. Why? So he could pay for his food. That's the will of God. You say, was the will of God? You don't know. You never know. You know, if you don't do these basic things and just, just focus down on... You shouldn't worry about what anybody else thinks around you. You ought to say, Lord, what do you think? And then as you start getting your life exactly where you think the Lord, guess what? He's got somebody else out there working their same thing, the work things out of you. And when he gets you to where he wants you to be, you may not even know who these other people are or this other person is. Like young ladies, young men, you don't want a wife? You do? Really? Well, guess what? If you start going and looking at for what you want, you're probably going to get the wrong thing. You're not going to get what God wants you to get. I tell you what, when you're ready to get it, he will drop it in your lap, and you'll know all about it, and it'll work. But if you don't, you know what happens? So what am I going to do? I'm going to just get up today. It's 8.07 right now. I'm going to quit right now. I'm, I'm done. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up. We were supposed to go up here and put uh, a line in the building tomorrow. Mike got all backslidden, called, and said it was going to rain. He didn't want to go up there tomorrow is what it was probably. But that's okay. I didn't really want to go up there in the morning. Digging a ditch is just not something. A 160-foot ditch is not something that you're just looking forward to do. You know what it'll do? It'll keep you out of trouble for a day anyways. And there's five of us want to go up there, and that's just going to be five men in a, in, a, in a truck going up there to dig a ditch. And guess what? One's going to be digging a ditch, and the other four are going to tell him how to do it. Amen. So we're going, to have to take, yeah, we're going to have to take a vote on who's going to be digging a ditch so the other four can tell him what to do. And, oh, dig it this way, dig it that way, dig it this way, dig it that way. You're not deep enough. You're too deep. You're this, you're that, you're that, 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 that. too much dirt. I'm telling you, brother, you know what it is? It's going to be fun. It's going to be an adventure. Uh, we're all going to be glad when we get back. But the ditch will be dug when we finally get up there to do it Monday. We're going Monday. Uh, but the ditch will be dug. There will be power in the little building. And the camp, that building, may be open. And we can put another 24, 25 kids in there. You say, is it worth all that? For 24, 25 kids, I think yes it is. I don't know what them 24, 25 kids are going to turn out to be somewhere down the road. I have no idea. But I know if I don't do what the Lord puts in front of me today, it'll never happen out there. You say, what is, I know if I didn't join the Navy 43 years ago, I wouldn't be here today. You, you, this diet, guess what? Ha <laughs> ha, it's a 20-week diet. I only got 15, 16 more weeks to go. If I keep saying I'm going to be on a diet, I'm going to take a diet. I'm going to start a diet. I'm going to start a diet. I'm going to start a diet. It's still 20 weeks. Beth, we was talking to the lady the other day, and the lady goes, well, Beth, you only got four more weeks left. 
I'm like, wait a minute. She's supposed to be 10. Four and four is eight. She goes, yeah, but the last two weeks are just where we're encouraging you to go on on your own. <laughs> that's, what, that's like, we're not putting no more money in you. <laughs> we just we got all your money that we could get out of you, and that's, this is all you're going to get from us. But I'm sitting there going, hers is almost over. You know what, do You start it, and then you finish it, and it's done. You finish it. You finish the job. Bob Jones Sr. said, finish the job. If you start something, finish it, or don't start it at all. But you know what, brethren, I'm trying to say, it's, it's obedience. It's obedience to the Lord in your life. No matter where you're at in life, the Lord's going to tell you to do certain things. And, that, and there's some basic things. Read your Bible. Pray. Pray for each other. You know what we need more than anything else? We don't need us sticking our fingers in each other's face. We need us to just pray for each other. Just pray. Just pray. Lord, I know so-and-so has a hard time right now going through some hard things in life, and they just need prayer. George and Linda sitting there. Linda... It broke her hip, not in one place, but twice, two places. And she's having, Brother George is sitting there at the house right now trying to keep her, take care of her. And somebody needs to be taking care of George. Hi, George. I know you're hearing this. Uh, you know, you sit there, uh, Brother Ross is down there getting ready for open heart. Third time. Now, I don't, I've never been through open heart at all. I, don't, I, I can't hardly even understand that. He knows exactly what he's going to be up against, and this is the third time. And he's opted for open-heart surgery. You know what he needs? He needs our prayers. Brother, I'm telling you what, there's, there's some basic things in life. It's not all this. Mrs., uh, when we sit there, we read that a few minutes ago, the, the prayer letter, he, he, uh, that letter, Mrs. Jones, El Elaine Jones, when he talked about her, when her husband died, she could easily quit. And she didn't. And she just kept going. I think her son had a wreck, and, and his wife and kids died, didn't it? Yeah, right. Did he die or did his wife die? Yeah, his wife and kid. And you know what? He just kept going. And you say, well, what? But here is 16, 15, 16, 17, 18 years later, and Mrs. Jones is still there going to camp, taking the kids to camp, doing this, doing that, being part of this, being part of that. You know what she did? She just stuck her nose down to the grindstone and where she was at and served Jesus Christ day by day where she's at and went through everything she went through day by day. And now you look at her and everybody says, oh, I wish I could be like Mrs. Jones. I'll tell you how you'd be that way. You stick your nose down the grindstone tonight, you wake up tomorrow, you do it again, you wake up the next, and you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And as the years pass by, it'll change. And you'll look back, and other people look back, and they'll see what you have done for the Lord, and you'll say, I was right dead in the will of God. And I was obedient to the call of the Lord. Father, thank you for your blessings tonight. Simple little study, Lord, not hard, not complicated. But Lord, it's so hard for us to do sometimes. Lord, our lives uh, all depend about what we do today, not what we do 10 years from now. You know what we're going to do 10 years from now, but today is what we need to do. And we won't do the things 10 years from now that we're supposed to do if we won't do the things today that we're supposed to. They're all simple things. Uh, Lord, this Bible's full of simple things, and as you read it, uh, Lord, one of them is just read the Bible. Lord, be faithful to church and read the Bible. And Lord, this thing will talk to us and show us exactly what to do. And Lord, I just want to thank you for it talking to me for the 43 years it has. And it's got me to where I'm at today, Lord. Could I be further? Maybe. But I'm, I'm at least I'm still here. Uh, Lord, bless the, the prayer service afterwards. But, Father, again, just thank you for the book. And, Lord, help us. Uh, Lord, this world is in need, uh, Lord, of, of people standing up for the right thing and just doing the right thing. And, Lord, they need to, they, they need to see uh, people that love Jesus. Help us to be those people. And, Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.